We're going to shake the tree today with this question. As a rancher, is owning cows in a cow-calf operation your best option? Enterprise, a, a really difficult enterprise to, to turn a profit in. Mm-hmm. So um, Dallas Mount, CEO for Ranch Management Consultants, returns as a guest as we evaluate owning cows in a cow-calf operation. Yes, there's positives to which we'll talk about, but there's also some serious downsides. Why is he negative on owning cows? And what do you measure against to validate the negatives of owning cows? Oh man, we're going to stir things up today on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. everyone and welcome again to another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Thanks for joining us here on our program. By the way, today is episode 62. So if you want to go back and you want to listen to it on or pretty much on any podcast provider out there, if you search under Working Ranch Radio Show, you will find us and uh, this is episode 62. You know, we've really had some great episodes here lately and not to downplay what we've had prior to that, but really some great ones. Last week we were talking with Clint Berry on marketing your cattle in 2020. 22. Uh, the week before that was with meteorologist Don Day on the weather outlook for 2022. And then in episode 59, we were talking about, have you thought about running sheep? Now, I know that's not for everybody, but nevertheless, it was an episode that I think maybe provoked some thought, which is kind of the where the vein of where I'm at with today's show. And I know uh, for some folks, you're going to maybe bow up a little bit when we talk about why do you own your cows in a cow-calf operation? And I think you're going to hear some good dialogue today between Dallas Mount and myself. Dallas is the CEO for Ranch Management Consultants. I've had him on our show before uh, as we've talked about some other things regarding profit-minded uh, business thinking when it comes to your ranching operation. And really, that's where some of this is coming from. And I don't think you're going to hear today that if you're if you own your own cows that you're an absolute uh idiot that's not the point of it other than i think if anything it's just creating some thought you know do you do you go back and you kind of reevaluate as i said in the opening i said we're going to shake the tree today with these questions well in the wild or out in the open and the thing that was going through my head at that particular time to use that analogy is wind and and of course wind in a, in a stand of trees is very important because as it bends and moves those trees around as they mature and they grow because of that wind and that stress it causes them to grow stronger and so i think today Today's episode, it's wind. It's it's something that I hope maybe blows against some of the thought processes you've had. It may not change what you do, and that's fine. But at the same time, it may challenge you to go back and reevaluate some things. And if anything, really at the end of the day in the ranching business, for me, it's really important that we are sustainable, that we can keep on going. And so that's kind of where some of this is coming from. So I'm really excited to share that conversation to you, uh, with you today with Dallas Mount, who's the, as I said before, the CEO for Ranch Management Consultants on why do we own cows when we're in a cow-calf operation. So also joining us here in just a moment, the Captain Tim O'Byrne will be by with this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents and meteorologist Don Day will join us at the very last segment of our program here today to give us a look at our long-term weather. Right now, a thank you and a shout out to our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, the American Simmental Association. And we are right in the middle of bull buying season from maternal traits to terminal 
animal traits, the genetic merit of Simmental Genetics has provided increased profitability to the rancher. Sim Genetics, profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Bobcat, one tough tractor. Visit Bobcat.com and use the build and quote tool to design your ideal machine. The American Hereford Association, come home to Hereford. The North American Limousine Foundation, limousine cattle deliver to your bottom line. And the American Angus Association, look for the registration number and buy the power by registered Angus bulls. On a bull sale calendar coming up, Keneally Angus with their spring bull sale coming up on Saturday, March 26th. That's the fourth Saturday of this month. That'll be at 12 o'clock. Their ranch at Whitman, Nebraska. They'll be selling about 550 head of coming twos, 18 month and long yearlings, as well as some heifer calves. You can check that out at uh, KeneallyAngus.com for more information. Also, that will be on Northern Livestock Video Auction. Also on our production sale calendar, DLCC Ranch with their 30th annual sale coming up on Saturday, April 16th there at the ranch at Pierre's, Minnesota. Now, they're going to be offering over 90 head of South Devon and South Devon influence composite bulls, yearling and 18-month-old bulls. Also, some females will be featured in that sale as well. If you'd like to find out more information or to give them a call, go to their website. You can register to get a catalog at dlccranch.com. That'll also be on Superior's Click to Bid for DLCC Ranch. Again, that sale Saturday, April 16th. Well, it's time now to check in with the Captain Tim O'Burn, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine, for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. Your April May issue of Working Ranch Magazine should be in the mailbox here pretty quick. This episode of the show is all about reevaluation, and I'm a big fan of that. I think that is a, a very wise thing for people to take time to reevaluate every element of your life on, on a certain interval. And uh, I think the message of this show is going to help a lot of people out there. So, Justin, take it away. You bet. Thanks, Captain. And I do want to point out that if you do not have your subscription to the Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers, I would encourage you to go to the website. It's really easy to do. Go to workingranchmag.com and you can get subscribed to the Working Ranch Magazine. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to get into this conversation. We're going to shake the tree a little bit here as Dallas Mountain joins me. We're going to talk about owning cows in a cow-calf operation and much more in our conversation. It's not just about that. We've got a lot to talk about that I think is going to be extremely thought-provoking for us here in the ranching industry. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low risk, high potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. 
And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Glad to have you joining us on our program today as we welcome back a guest that we've had on here before. Dallas Mount, CEO of Ranch Management Consultants, is joining us. And Dallas, thanks for being here on the program today. You bet, Justin. Happy to be back. Thanks for asking. Well, Dallas, I think I've done a fairly decent job of kind of perking everybody's interest with the intro and our last segment here about what we were going to be talking about today in regards to owning livestock, owning the cattle in a cow-calf operation. And I know when you and I talked about that, that's an assumption that maybe when folks get into the ranching business or they go back to the ranch, that there's that assumption that if you're going to be in cow-calf, that you need to own those cows. And I think today what you're really kind of pushing back on is maybe that's an assumption we shouldn't make. Yeah, Yeah, I I appreciate that, Justin. So I'm just coming off a season where uh, we've been, you know, working with ranchers uh, from all over the country and doing a lot of economics and uh, to be, just put it, you know, as plain English as we can, cows often are the worst enterprise when we look at it from an economic perspective. Uh, So why does everybody make the assumption when they're getting into ranching that, hey, I'm going to ranch, I'm going to run cows, right? And it it seems like a given, uh, but I think it deserves some some more exploration. So uh, that's the reason I suggested this topic today. Well, I think it definitely deserves more explanation from you because I think you're talking to the wrong crowd here, (laughs) to be honest with you. If we're going to get on here and we're going to talk about why why cows is one of the worst enterprise mix out there and i think you have more to talk about with that so let's get into first of all what are the what are the upsides to cows i guess let's let's and maybe i'm being pretty general there because we we maybe need to narrow this down and and or or do you feel we need to narrow this down more to the cow calf side of things i guess yeah, I, I'd say let's talk about cow calf and, and, okay. and particularly an owned cow calf herd, right? Okay. So, so it's like, uh, so let's say you're you're uh, you watched Yellowstone and you got excited about <laughs> Kevin Costner, right, running around doing all that fun stuff, and and so you decided I'm going to buy a ranch, right? And and so you go and get a ranch, and and oftentimes the next decision is, well, I've got a ranch now, let's get some cows, right? And and so I think that's the automatic assumption is if you're going to ranch you need to run cows and those cows should be your cows. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's the thing I'd like to explore today. And, okay. and maybe you're, it's not even just starting from scratch, right? If you've been running a multi-generation family ranch and, and you're looking at your ranching business and maybe not happy with your financial and, and economic results, um, I think this conversation is is going to hit home for you as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So so then um, and, and let's and I'm going to re kind of rephrase what you just said because I think there's some key points that I don't want people to miss out, and that is an a cow calf herd that you own, right? That yeah. those are that's because I because I think we need to be pretty specific about that so people understand that that is what we're talking about. So first of all, before we we jump in into the you know where you're you're coming from, are there some upsides though on a cow calf owning a cow calf herd? Because yes, because one of the things absolutely. is I've had a I've had a guy tell me and he's very very successful that says you know Justin you need to own cows you be you need to be owning cows I don't necessarily own own them all uh, at least a lot of cows but let's talk about the upsides to owning cows yeah yeah so I think number one is uh, cows are a great place to build wealth. Uh, so they are in a a place that grows in equity, right? You're if for for somebody like yourself, right? You're growing that cow herd over time. It's 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 a forced savings account in in one way, right? So we're if you're keeping heifer calves back, if you're growing this cow herd, 
there is wealth building going on in that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's there's a lot of value to that, and and you know, there's probably people that are listening to this thinking, well, I'm sure glad I built that cowherd, right? Because that's what's created some wealth for me and an opportunity mm-hmm. uh, to to retire with, right? Or, or some way to step aside. Um, so, so the cows are a nice place to park some money that that builds wealth over time. Um, you know, my my argument. My counter argument to that was, well, if you were more profitable in another enterprise, you would have cash to park somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So it would you could also build wealth somewhere else, but it would it wouldn't be the forced savings account that cows are, right? Because if you're if you're growing that herd, it's essentially forcing you to take some of that money uh that and, and use it to grow that cow herd with. Mm-hmm. So so cows are a good place to to grow money. Um I think that that'd be the the, the first reason. Um Cows have some real advantages from a tax perspective, right? The, you can you can depreciate them on uh, as that. Now, th- there's a catch to that, okay? Because sometimes it becomes real depreciation. If you're if you're running cows like everybody else is, that tax depreciation also becomes real depreciation, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got to replace those with with heifers and uh, or you know go out and buy cows and if you're buying them for two thousand bucks and selling them for 800 bucks five years later uh, right then that that tax depreciation is real depreciation so mm-hmm. it becomes a real cost um, there are some advantages if you're growing that cow herd and then selling those animals uh, when they're at a high value right you can still on and i'm not a tax accountant so take this with for what it's worth yeah. but there, there are some ways where you can still count that um you know, as breeding stock, right, and, and get some tax advantages to that, and also not absorb all that, right? So, kind of each have your cake and eat it too, in, in a way. So, uh, so cows have some real advantages from a tax standpoint, and and it's a nice place to build wealth. Okay, so now let's go ahead and flip the coin and look at uh, what you consider to be the real downsides to owning a set of cows. And again, I want to reemphasize this is owning cows in a cow calf operation. All right, so so here's the biggest one I think is most people are com- are competing in the commodity market when they sell their cats, right? You're selling your cats next to everybody else, and and commodity markets by their nature are long term break even markets, right? So so the cost that you're selling at is going to level out at the cost of production for for the average Joe, right? Okay, so um, your now when you look at the cow calf market, who are you competing with, right? Who are the other people? that are raising these calves that are selling them into the same market you are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you step back and take a look at the whole beef industry of the U.S., uh, you might know this number. What's what's the average size cow herd uh, across the U.S.? Do you have an idea what it is? Oh, I'm th- I'm guessing around forty head. I don't know. I mean, it's not a very. I think it's I think it's smaller than is that. Is it smaller than that? It's more okay. like twenty. Yeah, okay. More like okay. twenty or something. I just so, know it's not as big as I think it is. You know. Right, right, and that that surprises a lot of people, right? But mm-hmm. so, so the average Joe raising cows is somebody in Mississippi, Louisiana, Missouri, uh, Texas that has you know twenty cows in his backyard, right? And and he goes to work every day, drawing a wage, and and gets home and goes enjoys going out and feeding those cows, right? And takes care of them. Uh, some at some point, every now and then, they wean some calves or they sell some cows, and they you know sell them to however they normally do, whether it's taking them to a sale barn. 
and and they really don't care what they bring. I mean, they do, but mm-hmm. they don't. Right? Mm-hmm. They they don't need those animals to put food on the table. Right? That that's it's much more of a hobby than it is than it is a business. So, yes. um, and then you look at the other people that are in the market, and you know, what does every uh, retired surgeon or lawyer <laughs> want to do? Right? Yeah. They want to own cows. Right? So so our competition in the cow calf business are people that are willing to subsidize their cows with off farm income and sell those calves uh, at, at far less than the cost of production. Um, in the, so, so that's who your competition is, right? So, so your, your competition in this commodity market is somebody that's willing to subsidize that and sell it at a loss. And here you are competing in the same market with them, right? So, so the cows are by that nature, because there's so many people that want to play in this business, uh, the cows by their very nature are going to be a more competitive market for for profitability uh, than the, than the other the other markets that we could play in. Right? I mean, you don't see a lot of uh, you know doctors and lawyers saying, "Oh, I want to have a ranch and and the thing I want to do is flip coal cows." Right? <laughs> I mean, you know that that doesn't have the same appeal that. that having this home raised cow herd that we're very proud of, right. That we can put people in the pickup and take them out and show them. And they're all one color and they're all this. And right? who cares about the profitability of them? They never talk about that because, you know, when you look at it on paper, it's a bloody mess, mm-hmm. but, but when they, yeah, so, so, so that's your competition. So you, by, I think by some of the rules of that, it's almost always going to make cow calf enterprise a really difficult enterprise to to turn a profit in Mm -hmm. dallas so when we get then as you've if you've talked about this and you say well you know there's not a lot of not a lot of upsides to this i mean there's there's some upsides to it but it's more from an investment side of things um what about you know what about some of these outfits that are owning their own herds i mean there there is some exceptions to that so explain to me maybe how the exceptions that are making these own cow herds are working what are they doing though that's making it work yeah i i appreciate that question because i'm i'm speaking in generalities here right and then when i say cow calf are not very profitable well there's some people that are really really profitable doing doing cows uh you know there's a lot of people on the on the marginal side and then there's a whole pile of people that are losing their shirt doing cows so so what are the people that are making it work doing um you know they're you need to identify that competitive advantage right and and as you look at some of these uh, operations that are making cows work uh and i'm you know i get i get to look at quite a few numbers a year so i feel like i've got some pretty good perspective Mm -hmm. on this uh there's some of these that are that have some kind of competitive advantage that they're exploiting with that cow herd, right? Maybe it's an advantageous lease that says, hey, this lease is set up for, for running cows on it, right? And and if it were on the open market lease, the, the rates would be a lot higher, but but they've got an inroad there somehow. So they're able to lease that at, at far less than the, the than the cost on the open market would be. And it's set up for running cows, right? And, and maybe you need that that home raised cow herd that's adapted to that country, you know, maybe it's really rough country or got some other challenges to it. Uh, so, so we can make that work. Uh, there's quite a few that are, that are using the cow herd to uh, market some kind of premium product. Right. So whether that is maybe we're selling bread uh, packages of bread cows, 
maybe those calves are going into some kind of uh, a, a market that we've worked to identify and and, and develop, you know, and I, we could all probably think of a, a dozen examples of those. Um, but but there's some kind of competitive advantage that that ranch has developed over time that that allows them to do that. Uh, another example with this would be somebody that's just a, a really low cost producer. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got a, a model that on the cost side of things is is beating the socks off off of their competition, right? And they're, you know, if calves are selling for 800 bucks, they're able to get them in there at, at $200 cheaper than everybody else can. Uh, so so maybe they've got some real leverage on the cost side. I, I hear a lot of talk of that and I, I see a lot of people claim that. And when we actually get down into exploring what their numbers say, that doesn't pan out. Sure. So, you know, if, you're, if your listeners are thinking, yeah, that's me, I, I've got real advantages on the cost side, um, I would challenge, I'd say, well, well then show me, right? <laughs> Prove it, put, yeah. it on, put it on paper. Because I, I hear a lot of talk to that and I, I don't see that pan out a lot. So that's one of those things I'd push back on a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's what the people that are making it work are, are doing. And, and then to be honest, there's a lot of ranches that um, have chosen that have made the distinction that we're going to run cows, right? And that's part of their value statement. That that's part of what they've put forward and a decision they've made. And and it's management's job to figure out how to make that work, right? So if they if they looked at it economically, they could make a lot more money doing something else than running cows. But but their ownership body has determined this is what we want to do. Now go out and figure out how to make that work for us, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. and and that's that's fine. I'm not um, I'm not saying that boy that that, that's a bad thing at all i mean it where i get a little bit um bowed up is when you have a ranch that says hey we're really having a tough time making things work economically financially maybe i want to bring junior back to the business and but yet we also just want to run cows right we're not willing to explore other alternatives Mm -hmm. and and i we could look at that and in you know 30 minutes of looking at it you could say well gosh if if we didn't have these cows and we did this this thing would work Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and they've never taken the opportunity to seriously consider uh, what that might look like. Mm-hmm. So let's take a break here. And when we come back, let's get into that. What are some other options that we could be looking at on a ranching operation that would potentially replace that owning cattle in a cow calf uh, enterprise that maybe you are currently in on your ranch? So we're going to talk about that when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Living in the country means working in the country, and that calls for a tough tractor. Well, Bobcat has 15 models in its compact tractor lineup from 21 to 58 horsepower. With the help of your local Bobcat dealer, you'll find a perfect match for your property and to-do list. Get a look at all the different models at bobcat.com, and while you're there, use the build and quote tool to design your ideal machine. Get yourself one tough tractor from one tough animal. Bobcat. Visit bobcat.com. Whoa, Herefords are the efficiency experts for a reason. In crossbreeding systems, Herefords boost pregnancy rates by 7% and add $30 per head in feed yard profitability. And Hereford genetics bring unrivaled hybrid vigor, longevity, and disposition. Now that'll stop you in your tracks. Come home to Hereford for more pounds, more calves, and more profit. Visit Hereford.org for a sale near you. 
And welcome back here again to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Dallas Mount, CEO for Ranch Management Consultants. And if you're just joining us on the program, we started everything out with kind of throwing a question out there and creating a, a little bit of a stir on whether owning cows in a cow-calf ranching operation is really the best route to be going. And we've talked a little bit about that. But now we're going get to getting into, as we left before the break, uh, Dallas talking about folks looking or being open to other options and so dallas now let's get into that and let's talk about what are some other options or some other alternatives that we could be looking at uh so so let's let's start with custom grazing because in my when i look at things economically we kind of default to that custom grazing right because because there's an something that's fairly easy to do uh that that's high demand for and and everything we're going to do on top of that better be should be better than that right or because or that could kind of be the default mm-hmm. right so so custom grazing I, I don't i know not everybody uses that word it's essentially getting paid for running somebody else's cow okay so you're uh, usually the custom grazer is providing feed and care for for somebody else's livestock and, and just to be fully open this is what i do uh, with our place down here around wheatland wyoming is is we take in custom grazed cattle uh for for a client we've had the same client for a long time now i'll, I'll tell you we could do other things and make more money than the, than the custom graze but for me the the cow business you know is kind of a side hustle really and so i need something that that works really well with my main job which is running the company here mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so so the custom graze aligns really well with my other with my other commitments um but but let's talk let's talk custom grace so if um every market is different like you know saying well what's the custom grazing rate in your area is kind of like asking the same price what what's hay worth in your area mm-hmm. right i mean there's going to be some places in the country right now where hay is going to sell for right sixty dollars a ton and then there's going to be other places where hay is bringing over three hundred dollars. Yeah, now, right. Yeah, so, yeah. so you're going to have those same variations uh, in the custom graze market. If if uh, if we picked kind of a center point in the U.S., I might say somewhere around that forty dollars per cow mm-hmm. per month might might be a safe number to use for a for a custom graze rate. Not not everybody's going to be able to get that depending on where they are, but uh, but some people are going to be. That's going to be way low, right? Mm-hmm. So so let's use a forty dollar custom graze rate. So. If I were to custom graze somebody else's cow for 12 months out of the year, then I would get paid $480 for grazing that cow for 12 months, right? So yeah. that's that's feed and care. Now, most people that do custom grazing are not going to do it on a 12-month basis. They're going to do it more on a on a six-month basis, yeah. right? But yep. but if we if we annualize it, now we can compare it to an owned cow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 480 bucks, that's, that's gross margin. That's essentially what they're paying me. I don't have any direct costs out of that. Right. right. So, I mean, th- th- there's some examples where I got to provide salt and mineral, but that, that would be pretty minor. So $480 gross margin on a cow. Now I'll tell you, I look at a lot of owned cows that have a gross margin somewhere around 250 bucks. Hmm. Okay. Now that we don't have time today to get into how we figure out gross margin, but, but there's the comparable, right? Yeah. So an owned cow that's making a gross margin of $250 per cow compared to a custom grazed cow that's making a gross margin of $480 per cow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so if that's the numbers, what, what those numbers are telling us is, wait a minute, we, we could sell that cow herd. We could bank that money. 
we could run somebody else's cow and let's even run it for six months out of the year instead of 12 months out of the year. Mm -hmm. We'll run twice the number of them, right? Twice the number of them for six months out of the year. And we'll make almost twice as much in gross margin. And that's not all that unusual to to find that is, is that running somebody else's cow is sometimes more profitable than running our own cow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so the cu- custom grazing. It, it, I don't want your listeners to hear that I'm uh, telling everybody they should go out and custom graze cows. Right, mm-hmm. that's not at all what I'm saying. But I am saying it's a useful number to know. Right, what what could I make by not owning a cow herd by running somebody else's cow herd and maybe for only doing stuff six months out of the year instead of having to be tied up here 12 months out of the year doing take care of these things Mm -hmm. well and i think it gets back to what you said before if if you're not if you're an operation out there and you're and you're wanting to bring junior back or you have been struggling and you're wondering how do we gonna how are we gonna make these ends meet then the baseline we need to be looking at is if i custom grazed here's the baseline that we could be doing with that if we're if if we can't meet or exceed that gross margin that just grazing somebody else's cattle is out, maybe we're not doing something where we should be. Maybe we need to change things up. That's essentially kind of what you're saying. Uh, you got it. Yeah. So so if you can show me that, hey, my owned, owned cow makes $480 of gross margin or $500 of gross margin, I'm all in. Sure. Right? I'm, I'm all in on those owned cows. But but I, I think you're right. Let's let's use that as a baseline to say, if we're going to own these things, they, they better do better than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about some other enterprise options, some other ways as well uh, that could involve cattle as well. Sure. Yeah. So so the, the list is pretty long. I mean, if, if we sat down and brainstormed for half an hour, I bet we'd come up with 30 different things that involve cattle that are different enterprises we could do rather than just own our own cow herd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, between you and I, let's let's rattle some off here to get everybody thinking. So um, running a leased cow herd, right, mm-hmm. where I'm paying the owner of that cow a cash lease per year on that cow. Running a share cow herd where, where they get a portion. Uh, I get a portion of the calf crop. They get a portion of the calf crop. Right. I don't mm-hmm. have to don't have to own them uh short-term cows right where i'm buying some cattle and and maybe flipping them some way or, or selling them another way uh developing a breeding herd where i'm uh, essentially buying young animals growing up up to a a young bred cow a middle-aged cow and and selling those animals um so it's more kind of a a, a right I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, my product is a bred cow sure in addition to the caps I'm having, uh, running bulls for other people, right? Um, maybe the neighbors have have those bulls they don't want to deal with out of the year. So I'm going to be essentially a bull farm. Um, what What are some ideas you have that we could add to that? Um, and I picked the easy ones. Yeah, no doubt. Jeez, pick, pick the low hangers there. Um, well, I, I think um, when you're talking grass and cattle, and I don't want to, it's kind of maybe that we're getting in the same thing, but I think there's some yearling opportunities there that people, people don't necessarily get into the yearling thing because they've, uh, whether they want to grass them or whether they want to work with somebody on them because they've, there's, there's some perceived risk there and there is risk. There's risk in anything. So I think, you know, some of the yearling types uh, operations maybe have some opportunities. Yep. Yeah. Yearlings for sure. And that would lend itself to things like heifer development, right? So I could, I could buy heifer calves and, and grow them up and a, a bred heifer could be a product. Uh, uh, open heifer could be a product of that. Um, grass finishing uh, animals would, would kind of be another component of yearling, but maybe at a later stage yearling, mm-hmm. um, right? Uh, spaying heifers, um, 
you know, being an accumulation uh, outfit for for other places, right, where they're buying and they need a place to park them before they they're going to grass. Uh, you know, winter grazing that that one is uh, is is kind of an interesting one. There's yeah. a lot of places in the, in, especially in the Mountain West, where the highest valued forage, it's actually forage in the wintertime rather than, mm-hmm. than summertime forage. So maybe I just use my ranch to stockpile my feed all year. And then I just take in animals or, or provide winter grazing services for, for somebody else to uh, reduce that hay feeding cost for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I and I want to go back and, and explore a couple things because I there's when we when when folks look at okay I've got this land or I want to be this ranch and there's things that there's things about being a rancher that I like for example you know everybody likes this time of the year when we're starting to calve maybe not when there's a snowstorm but maybe we 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 ride a few horses on the side and when we, we need some horse work out there and we like to be out there uh, calving and being out in the, in the cattle. There's some enterprise options you talked about a little little bit ago about buying some old older age cows, flipping those around. Uh, there's still some some opportunities out there where where folks, uh, if you're wanting, you know, you still to be calving cows out, you can do that and fit into something where it's not necessarily maybe it's not a year around deal of running cattle or it's not owning them, but there's still some opportunities there too. That's right. Yeah. So I I think you bring up an important point, right? The ownership of the ranch needs to identify what are the values that that we don't want to give up, right? And maybe those things are we we really like cabin. Uh, that that's a part of it that we really enjoy. Uh, we love doing the branding stripe. Maybe that's a piece of so so really look inside of it and say why do we ranch right? What what about ranching really gets us charged up? And the last thing we want to do is choose an enterprise mix that that takes that away from us, right? Uh, I you know I, I there's a ranch that we work with and and one of their values is is producing these these animals that work in their environment right that it's a it's a ranch that offers some unique environmental challenges and and they want to have have cattle that work in that environment that's one of the reasons why they ranch now they're very clear that they could do other things and make more money right mm-hmm. um, but they've been able to make this work to meet their objectives that that they, that they want to do and i i think that's a really valuable exercise to go through and identify what are those things that we do that that we really value mm-hmm. um you also mentioned the kind of the 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 time of year thing right and the i i think sometimes we so let's back up here a little bit mm-hmm. in, in agriculture is as we grow up in this business and you you hear a lot of this hard work value right and, and i appreciate that too right and, but but it gets pounded into us so heavy and so hard that you know we work hard and we're the hardest working people there are and all these things right and i think sometimes our response is to fill any particular downtime we might have with more work mm-hmm. right and and i see this kind of from the outside looking in at some of these businesses i'm like well well, you know what? We've got three weeks here where we're not doing anything. Maybe we should design some kind of enterprise to completely fill our time <laughs> in that three weeks. And then it's also going to create more work for us during our other times of the year where we're already working 12-hour days, right? Mm-hmm. And and then they tell me, well, Dallas, I know you say we should work on these numbers. And I know we should do these important things, but you don't understand. We're just so stinking busy, right? And I'm like, I absolutely understand you're so stinking busy, but it's your own dang fault, <laughs> Right, because you've built this monster of enterprises and workload that create zero downtime for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what if our objective when we set these things out was let's create something we can do in a twenty hour work week? Right? What what if we built a ranch that we could do in twenty hours a week? 
And then we had the other 20 hours to do some what be working on the business to, I mean, God forbid we take a vacation, right? <laughs> uh, so in it, what if we built these businesses around quality of life as, as well as things we enjoy? And, and I think too often the quality of life piece gets thrown out because I mean, people, I don't know that people will say it, but I think there's an underlying fear that the neighbor might catch me not, doing physical labor for every hour of the, of the, when the daylight is out. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and that, that is a, I think a very destructive paradigm to having a healthy business is to think that we need to fill every hour with physical labor. Well, and it's, and it's something that probably if you want to have a generational business is not sustainable is what would be my guess. Is that what, what you'd say? I would I would completely agree. It goes it goes back to that quote of Joel Salatin. If if we want our our kids to be if I want our kids to come back, we need to build our farms and our ranches that are fun and that are profitable, right? And that and romancing that next generation is is part of the of the role of management mm-hmm. is is to create a business that they want to look at and say, man, that looks like a fun business to be a part of, rather than something that requires. 18 hour days and is financially unrewarding. Right. So, so I think that should be part of our challenge as we design this enterprise mix is what's something that, that we can do that, that gives us some, I mean, like you said, calving season is up on us right now. And I love that as well. Right. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, but, but at the end of it, after you've been doing it for 60, 90 days, I'm ready for it to be over. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do we, how do we build these things that are, uh, that offer that balance. Yeah. Before we uh, jump into the next subject here, and we were just talking a little bit ago about some enterprise mixes or some different ways that you could be owning cattle, we didn't really touch on some other types of livestock. I know there's some other folks doing doing some different things, and a lot of that, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with with cow uh, guys as we talk about, you know, fit, having cattle. They, you know, in this in that conversation is having cattle that fit your environment. But let's talk. Let's open that up. Let's broaden that up a little bit and talk about livestock that fits your operation and your environment. Because it may not be talking just specifically cows. That that's right. Yeah. So, sheep and goats are the ones that often people need to or come to mind first um, in that discussion. And and I think it's worth exploring. Um, I I think some healthy realities in there though. When, when you just look at the numbers, when people sit down and just punch the numbers on the on small ruminants, their their eyes get really big and they're like, "Holy cow! Can it really be this good?" Right. And and I think there's some healthy caution as as we start diving into those to say now wait a minute this is this is not something that often aligns with my skill set or my passion right and so are my results going to be this good right the people that have been doing it for a while might be you know th- their lambing rate might be 1.5 1.7 right whatever it is if i'm going to do this and it it doesn't align with my passions and my skill sets maybe i need to use a lambing rate of 1.0 Right. Mm-hmm. And, and just mm-hmm. to kind of caution those things, I and I think you had a uh, did some work on this reason, but but it does warrant exploring. Right. What yeah. are the, yeah. the people that have converted to this? What kind of things are they are they seeing? And is this something you'd enjoy? Mm-hmm. Right. Does, does it align with you? I, I see a lot of folks. A lot might be an overstatement. I've seen a few folks shift to small ruminants to, to later come back and realize, you know, this I was doing it for the dollar signs that I saw. 
but it, it doesn't light my fire. And sure. I think we need to look for things that align with, with what our passions are. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up our conversation. Dallas Mount today, uh, CEO for Ranch Management Consultants, has been my guest. And we're going to have some final thoughts from him and just kind of wrap this all up that I hope has been a conversation that has created some introspective of your own ranching operation and maybe what you would want to consider as you move forward as well. Stay with us. We have more when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Sale season's here again, and there are a lot of black-hided Angus bulls on the market, but not all of them are registered. Why take the risk? Don't gamble on unproven genetics. Invest wisely with registered, powered by Angus bulls. Backed by the power of the American Angus Association and 80 million data points, registered Angus bulls give you the confidence in your buying decisions. Don't buy an imposter. Look for the registration number. Buy the power. Buy registered Angus bulls. There's assurance in buying bulls from a proven program, and a program that's been proven time and time again is Keneally Angus. So mark your calendar now for Keneally Angus Spring Bull Sale, Saturday, March 26th. That's the fourth Saturday of March, offering 550 head of yearling, 18-month, and coming two-year-old bulls. Now, these bulls are fully guaranteed with free delivery nationwide, and bulls out of the industry's leading sires with genomic-enhanced EPDs. You can buy in person, leave them a bid, or bid online at Northern Line. Livestock video. For more information or to request a catalog, go to KeneallyAngus.com. It's Keneally Angus Spring Bull Sale, Saturday, March 26th at 12 Noon Mountain at the ranch south of Whitman, Nebraska. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here. My guest today is Dallas Mount, CEO for Ranch Management Consultants. He is based out of Wheatland, Wyoming. However, they do have schools all across the country, the Ranching for Profit schools. We're going to talk more about that here in just a moment. But first, Dallas, let's kind of wrap up our conversation. And if you're just joining us, I would, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to it because if you jump into it now, you're going to wonder uh, why we're talking about what we are. And we really brought this out uh, and kind of made brought the topic out when we really questioned in a ranching operation, why do we own our cows in a cow-calf enterprise? That's kind of where we started from. We've talked about a lot of different things with that. So uh, if you are just joining us, be sure to go back and listen to that. But Dallas, let's kind of wrap up our conversation regarding this topic here today and just some final comments from you as we bring this conversation to a close. Yeah, you know, put put the numbers together uh, and, and see what they're telling you. You know, if, if you've got the luxury, you can afford to just do whatever the heck you want to do. Uh, I mean, good for you. Who, who's to take that away from you? But I, I think the reality is that most ranches these days, things are tight and we need to to dive into these things and look for opportunities. And, you know, if, if, if you want to explore it, it might really wake you up. I mean, for a, for a 200 to 300 head cow herd, this could be $100,000 a year. Uh, but profitability decisions, mm-hmm. right? So we're not talking about small dollar amounts here. We're talking about significant value moving. And, you know, and if you, like I said, if you can afford to just ignore it and just do what you've always done, uh, good for you. But I, I think the most people are, are not in that boat and, and we really need to examine what we're doing. Now, I, I think it might be something that scares you initially to think about moving away from owned cows, right? Because that that for most people in ranching, that is a 
a, a part of the passion of to why they ranch. Uh, but with the folks that we've worked with that have looked into this and identified ways to create significant value and then pulled the trigger on it, uh, the the rewards and and the happiness they find in doing other things um, oftentimes are are more than they thought. Right. You know, hey, I never realized this could be this much fun and, mm-hmm. and I never, never realized how much I would enjoy doing this part of it. Right. And and it sure makes ranching a heck of a lot more enjoyable when you've got some uh, some room in the budget uh, to, to do some things. Yep, You bet. Well, Dallas, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us here on our program. It's always, as I said, when I talked to you about lining this up, I said I you always can come up with something that's very thought provoking. And so that's why I always like, just like almost blindly throw it out. What do you want to talk about? You know, and, and you always come up with something that makes everybody think and scratch their heads a little bit. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate that. If, if everybody goes out and sells their cows, when you post this episode, of the market crashes, <laughs> I was not responsible for that. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent sure that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, before I let you go, I know, you know, as you're the CEO for ranch management consultants, uh, which is the ranching for profit schools that are out there uh most of your schools are through the winter months fall and winter months you do have a few summer months schools uh how are they, is there some availability still in some of those schools so we're headed to Oklahoma to do a school here the end of April. And that one's currently full. Uh, we we have added a school to the schedule this year in in June in Billings, Montana. Uh, so that one's uh, about halfway full right now. Uh, so, but there is a is availability in that. Uh, we'll be in Kennewick, Washington, in middle of September. Um, if uh, if you're in heavy winter country, this is the one I'd go to is Phoenix, Arizona, the first week of December. Oh, so <laughs> that if if I was taking a ranching for profit school, that's the one I'd go to. Okay. Uh, and then we'll be back into our normal winter schedule uh, following that school, which you know is is around quite a bit. So we had um, we had a record year this year with with attendance at ranching for profit, and a lot of our schools that didn't normally fill filled early. Uh, so if people want to get a specific location for a school, um, I'd encourage them to, to go ahead and register, put a deposit down. That'll save your feet for that school. Uh, those deposits are are rollable for 13 months after you oh, make okay, them. Good. So if, if you decide you want to go to a different school, we can we can work with you on rolling that deposit to, to those. But uh, yeah, it's been an amazing year. We've added some new instructors to the to the school, and and uh, the feedback we're getting is is that we're the the instructors we've added are all in the game of ranching. So there are people that that have been a part of the ranching for profit, the executive link program. Uh, they've they're they're full time ranchers in addition to that. And I think that really adds a component of uh, authenticity mm-hmm. uh, that that deepens the the what you get at the school. You so I'm I'm really excited about where we're going as a company. It's it's been an amazing few years. Well, good deal. All right. Well, Dallas, thanks again for joining us. You're welcome. Take care. And again, my guest today has been Dallas Mount, CEO for Ranch Management Consultants. If you'd like to find out more information about what he has going on there in their schools, you can go to ranchmanagement.com. And also, you know, I'd encourage you to, if you have questions about what we talked about here today or something you want to push back against, please do not be afraid to give me a call or or shoot me an email as well, justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Because I know for myself, it takes me a while to push, to process some of this. 
And after our, I have this conversation with Dallas, there's going to be things I'm going to think about. I'm like, why didn't I ask him that? So don't be afraid to get to, to reach out to me, and let me know, or to get a hold of Dallas and visit with him. And like I gave you his website, you can go to ranchmanagement.com and find contact information for him. Well, stay with us. Look at our long-term weather is up as Don Day joins us on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Profit-Minded Rancher is all about a balanced operation, and when it comes to buying bulls, you look for balanced genetics that utilize the advantages of heterosis. For decades, DLCC Ranch has focused on utilizing the strengths of one of the most feed-efficient breeds in the world, South Devon. This British breed simply provides a proven outcross for a commercial or purebred herd that exploits the benefits of heterosis in both terminal and maternal traits like growth, carcass, and stability. This year, DLCC will be offering over 90 head of South Devon and South Devon Influence Composite Bulls at their sale on Saturday, April 16th. All bulls will be genomically tested and they come with a three-year guarantee. They will also be offering over 50 head of females ranging from elite heifers to replacement heifers and fall pairs. For more information or to request a catalog, go to dlccranch.com. It's the DLCC 30th Annual Production Sale, Saturday, April 16th at the ranch near Pierre's, Minnesota, or on Superior's Click to Bid. DLCC, committed to providing South Devon crossbreeding solutions and outcross genetics to commercial cattlemen. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show as we take a look at our long-term weather and meteorologist Don Day is joining us uh, as we look at this. And uh, Don, we've already had uh, kind of in the middle of some weather across portions of the country right now. But as we look at uh, kind of the next 10 days out, I know there was a lot of uncertainty as where some of this weather was going to happen. But it now looks as though some of this winter wheat area down in the southern plains is looking like they're going to get some much needed moisture. Yeah, this is great news. It looks like a storm which had its origins up in the Aleutians of Alaska uh, is now working its way into the southern Rockies and and into the desert southwest. And it's a storm system that's tracking much further south than storms have done all winter. Now, we all know about the drought conditions in the panhandles of Texas, how dry it has been in Kansas, Oklahoma, eastern Colorado, and Nebraska. Those hard red winter wheat areas are going to see a really good chance of a little bit of everything. It's going to be rain. It's going to be snow. There could even be some thunderstorms. But there could be some areas, Justin, that uh, with this storm system get well over an inch of water, maybe pushing two in some areas. Some of it in the northern and western edges of the storm, especially eastern Colorado, parts of western Kansas and southwest Nebraska could have some heavy snow with this. So this will be really good for those areas. This storm is finally tracking in a direction that will really help out those areas that have been really suffering all winter. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the northern tier of the country. Uh, really, winter-wise, the northern tier up into Canada has seen it a pretty heavy winter, but uh, it's been pretty nice here lately. What about, uh, say, if you just look across the northern part of the country in southern Canada? Well, what I see is the, there's going to be an evening out of things. So we're going to have this storm system go across more of the southern Rockies, southern plains into the central plains. The next system is going to come well, about a week from now, and that is going to be tracking more across the Pacific Northwest through the central and northern Rockies and I think into the northern plains. So there's going to be some opportunity for those northern areas of the U.S. and southern Canada to get some March moisture 
before the month is over. Okay. All right. Well, I know fog forecasting wise, we've joked about this a little bit or talked about it a little bit that uh, I, I don't really have have much happening until after this weekend that we're in now until about first part of June. So I hope we're not going to see a dry spell. I anticipate some moisture between now and then. <laughs> I think there's a good chance of that. One thing that we do see through the end of March and into the first week of April, at least, is a really busy stormy pattern in the Gulf of Alaska, which if you get that this time of year, um, it becomes this kind of a breeding ground for systems to come across the West and Northwest areas of the United States. So I am optimistic that if you're in an area that hasn't gotten a good storm yet this early spring season, the odds are pretty good that things will even out and you'll get one. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us and giving us kind of that outlook for the next 10 days of weather here across the country. Thanks for having me. And again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to put a wrap on this episode when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. If you could do something today that would bring you a profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with Limousine Genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With Limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds, naturally, to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with Limousine Genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your your cows and bulls. It's as simple as limousine today, profit tomorrow. Well, before I jump in the pickup to go out feed some cows here this morning, I want to thank my guest Dallas Mount with Ranch Management Consultants for joining us on our program. Also, a thank you to our sponsors, the American Simmental Association. It's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental.org. Bobcat, one tough tractor. Visit Bobcat.com. And the American Hereford Association, come home to Hereford. The North American Limousine Foundation, limousine cattle deliver to your bottom line and the American Angus Association. Look for that registration number when you're buying bulls. Buy the power by registered Angus bulls. Don't forget Keneally Angus Spring Bull Sale coming up on Saturday, March 26th. That'll also be on Northern Livestock Video. KeneallyAngus.com is where you can check out a sale catalog and also DLCC Ranch with their 30th annual production sale coming up on Saturday, April 16th, offering over 90 head of South Devon and South Devon Influence Composite Bulls. Their website is DLCCRanch.com. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. Be sure to join us right here each and every week at this same time. Coming up in the next three weeks, here are some of the guests, Jim Garish, Martin Black, and also we'll be talking on The Beef Chain. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. <laughs>